Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be talking about the Gibeonite deception, which is found in the book of Joshua and Joshua 9. And this is a story that uh, piques my interest because what happens is that Joshua is invading the promised land. They're putting to death all these people. And these Gibeonites come out and they, they totally fabricate everything. They say, oh, we're from this faraway place. And what they do is they engage in a treaty, a covenant, a promise before God uh, that they wouldn't be attacked by Israel, that they would be Israel's servants. What happens, though, is it is exposed that they, they entered into this covenant on fabricated grounds, but the covenant is held up and established because it is put in God's name. Although this is not something it looks like uh, the people of Israel wanted, the leaders of Israel wanted, that even Yahweh wanted, just because this covenant was made in God's name, it is standing, it is enforced. This is something that they care about is keeping this covenant even though it's made under false pretenses. We start in 9.3, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they on their part acted with cunning and went out and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for the donkeys and wineskins and worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet, worn out clothes, and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gigal and said to him and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us, then how can we make a covenant with you? And they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where did you come from? And they said to him, From a very far distant country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him. The Lord here is Yahweh, Yahweh your God. For we have heard a report of him. And all that he did in Egypt. This is one of the most powerful, wide-reaching power acts that God does in the Bible. Is liberating Israel from Egypt. All the nations are supposed to hear about this defeat of this massive army in Egypt. The defeat of Pharaoh. This is a very acute PR move on God's part. And is purposely so. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Come now and make a covenant with us. Here is our bread. It, it was still warm when we took it out of our houses. And our food from the journey of the rest of I, What they do is they, they say, Hey, look at, uh, look at our clothes. Our clothes are really crumbly, right? So that means we came a long ways. And uh, our shoes are all worn out. And uh, look at our wineskins. Oh, they're all old and crumbly. We, we must have uh, had to have come from this faraway place because just look at us. Um, look, I got a long beard. I haven't like shaved in a while. It, it's super obvious we're from a far place away. And so <laughs> it almost makes me think of like uh, a Benny Hinn skit or something like that or a Leslie Nelson skit where where they're just... Yeah, they, they've, they've fabricated it all, and, and uh, the people of Israel are just eating it up. And so they make the covenant. Verse 14, so the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And so Yahweh, if they would have uh, consulted Yahweh, Yahweh would have told them what's going on. They wouldn't have made the covenant, and these people would have been overthrown and kicked out of the land. That's as God wanted. God says that anywhere you set foot, Joshua, we're going to defeat all those people. We're going to kick them out of the land. The land is yours. But something goes on and changes God's plan, what God told them to do. Uh, how they're how it's gonna, gonna play out they they go ahead and they make a covenant in the name of God 
with this people who they're supposed to drive out and what takes precedence. What takes precedence, God's plans for Israel or a covenant made in his name? And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. At the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors and that they lived among them. And the people of Israel set out and reached the cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Shephir, Berath, Kirath, Jerim. But the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. They're mad. They, they want to kill these people. Uh, God wasn't consulted. God would have said to wipe these people out. They wanted to wipe them out. The leaders say this. We have sworn to them by the Lord. This is Yahweh, the God of Israel. And now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. Let them live. Less wrath be upon us. What does that mean? Less wrath be upon us. They have made a covenant in the name of God. So it doesn't matter that God already told them to kill these people, wipe them out of the land. Because they made a countervailing oath in the name of Yahweh, that one stands. That's their promise that they've made in the name of God. If they're going to violate that promise, God's the enforcer of oaths, and they will be punished for that action. That takes precedence over God's commands to them is a man-made oath that God didn't want, that the people didn't want, that they didn't want, an oath made under false pretenses, because it was made in God's name, that stands. That needs to put a whole new spin on the commandment, you shall not take the name of your Lord in vain. You don't, do not make oaths in God's name and just take them lightly. God's the enforcer of oaths and it overrides everything, overrides everything, overrides God's own commandments, when you swear by God's name. You need to be enforcing that oath and making sure you follow through with that oath. Paul says, don't even, yet let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be taking out oaths in the name of God. A very funny part of this story is uh, they call the leaders over and they say, why did you deceive us? And the leader's like, duh, you came here with a large army and you're just gonna kill us all. What what should we do? We just do we just die? Do we we just die now? Is is that what we do? Uh, but we made the oath so you wouldn't kill us. <laughs> uh, it was a good deal for we just didn't want to die was our thing. That, that's what we wanted and uh, not to die. And then Joshua's okay, fine. You'll be our servants then. They're like, thank you. That's that's actually what we wanted. Thank you. And then they go their own way. The chapter ends with this uh, seemingly very open theistic verse. But Joshua made them that day cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose. And so God uh, chooses once once they're in a place, God then chooses at that time where they want the altars, where they want the tabernacles, where they want the temples. God's not predestining everything from time eternal. God hasn't always foreknown all those places. God will in the future, according to this verse, at that time, choose a place in the moment, depending on where the people are, to place these altars. And that's where they're going to bring the water and the wood, is a place where God will choose in the future. Future's not set, according to Joshua, Joshua 9. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, questions, comments, put them in the comments section. Start a thread on God is open. Thank you for listening.